want to go live on video but are a bit unsure where to start? Or maybe you already go live a lot but you are scared to sell. Download for free the Live Authentic Storytelling Guide. Six steps to infuse storytelling into your live videos. You'll get practical structure to help you convert your audience from raving fans to loyal customers. Go to www.livestorytellingguide.com and get your free guide today. Friends, I hope you have had as amazing of a week as I've had. I've had this flurry of creativity, of shifting, of changing, of growing within myself, and it's beginning to manifest in the outer world. And it's so exciting when that happens. I want you to experience that. I want you to feel that because it truly is powerful and amazing. And we've got a great episode to inspire you today. And that is with my student, colleague, friend, Bina Patel. Bina is an oncology physician assistant turned holistic wellness and life coach, yoga teacher, and energy healer. She empowers heart-centered women to embody deep self-love, authenticity, and radiance so they live a life of love, abundance, and true fulfillment. She combines her background in science and alternative healing to provide a unique modality of optimizing her clients' lives through a holistic and transformative approach that involves energy healing, breathwork, subconscious reprogramming, inner child healing, and embodiment practices. She's the real deal. I really enjoyed my conversation with Bina, and I know you're going to be inspired too. This is the Creative Soulpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Demas. Let's go. Okay, my friends, I am beyond excited for our next guest that is here with us today. This is a powerful human being. This is somebody that I respect, I admire, and has been a part of not only my journey, my business journey, my life journey, but a part of my heart. This person has a part of my heart. Bina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Nick. I'm honored to be here today. So we met, I don't even know how many years ago now. It's been, it's been several. Four, four oh. but it feels like a lifetime. <laughs> it feels longer than that. Has it only been four? But I was teaching in a training program for yoga. You were in a yoga teacher training. And for whatever reason, we just clicked. You know, it's one of those things where you just don't know why. I don't know why. Why did we click? You know? I know why we clicked, okay. if I can say. Yeah, I felt drawn to you. I was getting to know my intuition at that point, And that's why I was led to that program in the first place. And while they had many beautiful guest teachers, you just had this beautiful air of, you knew who you were. And I think that's what I was trying to figure out at that time. Mm. You knew who you were. You knew what you were here to do. And when I saw that, I was like, that, I want to be in that person's presence. So that's why we met. <laughs> and that's interesting because for me, like I said, I felt like fast friends and I, I thought you already knew who you were. Like for me, I was like, I, I absolutely believe that you did. So that's really interesting how sometimes the, the external might be slightly different than what's happening internally. Absolutely. And you really don't know somebody's full story, right? Which I got to know and deepen with you over time. So yeah, I know the story. 
right? I know a lot, all of your story, but I know a lot of your story. So let's, let's for the audience, back the train up and tell me a bit about first, tell us, you know, where you grew up, what your family life was, all of that. And then we'll dive into what you're doing today. Sure. So um, growing up, I am Indian. I was born here, but my parents were from India. And as Southeast Asian immigrants, my life was really different in childhood. So we had kind of, I would say, a pretty poor, meager, humble beginning just because they were trying to figure out their lives. They were also from an arranged marriage, which anyone who knows, especially any child of immigrant parents, when your family moves to another country like America, they're trying to figure out their their lives, their careers, and they're also just newly married and trying to navigate a new relationship. There's a lot of stuff that happens. So I would say overall, my childhood was, you know, I would say it was kind of similar to other people in that everyone has has their own fair share of struggles. But what I would say is unique is that I am an empath. And so I was really aware that there's a lot of different emotions in this household that I don't know that many people know how to navigate. And that was something I caught on pretty young. So I would say that, you know, for any Southeast Asian person or a child of an immigrant parent, I think that there was a lot that we had to get used to and a lot that we had to learn at a young age, because at that time, you're really supposed to be led by your own parents and how they how they teach you and the things that they're able to model for you. And I can honestly say, while there has been a lot of forgiveness and a lot of open-ended adult conversations with my parents about it, we can all agree that that wasn't completely mapped out for us in my childhood. So that's what I would say. Would you say that you felt like an outsider of sorts? Absolutely. And if I could share with you, I don't know that that's necessarily because of just the childhood upbringing. I think part of that is also being an empath. I think every empath feels like, am I the only one who's like five years old, but senses energy and senses when things don't seem right or seeing my teacher smile, but she looks really miserable, actually. Am I the only one sensing it, you know? So it was, there was a feeling of isolation. And what's interesting is I remember pondering and asking myself questions about the universe, even at that age. And some of my friends would be like, you're really weird. And growing up, some of those people are now in a spiritual path and they're drawn to me. And it's like, wow, years ago, they completely had written it off, obviously, because they're children, right? They don't know. But it's like, who am I? Why do I know these things? Why do I know that there's a universe and all these things that are going on outside of me at such a young age? I relate to that in such a huge way. So when I was in kindergarten, my my teacher, apparently, and this isn't something that I fully remember, but my, my teacher told my parents that she thought that I was empathic. Because mm-hmm. I knew what the other children were feeling and thinking. And oh. my mediumship skills were already, I mean, they were already there, right? They're, they're natural. They're innate within you. And we lived next door to Spanish-speaking neighbors who were Catholic. And I was drawn to the church. And even then, I was drawn to spirituality. But their form of it was church. And so I asked my mother at five years old if I could go to church with the neighbors, because I remember sitting there and loving the sort of experience of it. So here I was, this incredibly empathic child who was seeking spiritual enlightenment at five, at five. We lived in Houston, and midway through the year, we moved to Montana. And in that time, my life changed dramatically because I went from that kind of a teacher, a very open school, very interesting, very creative, to a very strict 
We all sat in rows in the little red schoolhouse and all of that was shut down. And I remember it being shut down. And it's been a process, I think, and I'm wondering if you relate to this, for years, like you said, you were seeking your intuition, which was already there, of coming back to it. Yeah. And can I also tell you, I didn't know that you had gone to a Catholic school. I went to a Catholic school too for mm-hmm. nine years. Wow. And it was really different because when I had the transition to public school, I saw that public school, while they're not pushing any religious or spiritual beliefs, there's still more of an open mind in this to creativity, which I think is really important for anyone who's an empath. So I would say to answer your question, I felt what brought me back to my intuition is was realizing that all my friends were coming to me for advice. I know you can relate to this. All my friends, even at a young age, were coming to me for advice, even mentors. Like I had teachers and doctors I would shadow in um, college, which I'll get into later about like why I shadowed those people. But even people that I was shadowing at a young age to learn more about their lives, they would come to me about the things that they were experiencing and going through. And I was like, why do they seem to be coming to me for this guidance? And that's when I realized partly it's because I'm so in tune with myself and like the divine flowing through me and me being able to channel that, that whatever I'm speaking is not really coming from me. I mean, part of our intuition is also understanding that there is a world outside of us and it is trying to guide us in our own lives, right? Yeah. But that's when I realized this has to be something because there's no way I can be 17 years old and giving this older doctor with much more experience. I say that because not to do with her age, but she's just so wise. She has this degree. At that time, I was like, she's a doctor. She has her whole entire life figured out. Yeah. I'm learning that has nothing to do with figuring anything out. I learned that over time, but it's like, really, where else could that come from? Part of that is our conditioning to believe that yeah. a doctor knows everything. Right. When you're young or you're told and they're put on this pedestal almost. Right. And so we believe them to be something that they actually aren't. You learn over time. Well, they're no brighter than I am. In fact, they don't even I have knowledge that they don't have. Yes, of course, they have knowledge that I don't have. Right. They studied. But I have some innate knowledge that they just don't they don't possess necessarily. You're absolutely right. I guess I'll go into a little bit sooner than I wanted to, but for, um, you know this about me, but I'm a physician assistant. So that's how I've been trained. That was the career path I had chosen earlier on in my life before transitioning into becoming a life coach for women and yoga teacher and Reiki healer. But I chose that path. A lot of it was because of societal pressure with my parents and, you know, them saying like either in our culture, becoming a doctor, a lawyer, engineer, those are like the three things that, you know, most people are like, yeah, that's, that's the profession I'm going to pursue because that's what my parents said I should do. And I will tell you, it's really interesting because as I started going into PA school and I'm thankful for my experience and having learned more about my body and being able to be, to use that intuition guidance to have helped my cancer patients. But what's interesting is that I agree with you in that I saw so many patients during my time in clinical practice, I saw so many patients kind of dismiss what they were feeling and just resigning themselves over to whatever the doctor said. And then I would go back into the room and just have a conversation open-ended. Like, how are you feeling? Tell me more. And they would be like, you know, actually, I want to change my answer about what I said before. And then I would ask them, like, why did you say that when this is how you really felt? People do have something called the white coat syndrome. When they see that, they just automatically think they have anxiety and they just want to listen to whatever that person's going to say. So I think there's also partly dictatorship kind of that we need to stem away from. Doctors can't dictate to you what your body is telling you. Do you know what I mean? Like your oh. body is going to know you. I know you know this, but for anyone who needs to hear that, 
your body is so wise, it will guide you to where you need to be healed. Now, can a doctor help you? Absolutely. I really do believe there are some amazing people out there. There are healers amongst doctors. There are more doctors becoming in tune with their own intuition and realizing that actually medical school didn't teach them everything. And they have so much more to learn in real life practice. But I agree, there's, there's just, there's this need for more patients to become, and more people to become empowered over their own body, because everyone has the innate ability to heal. I've seen it multiple times. Yeah, I've never heard the term white coat syndrome. And I think that is so powerful, and so spot on. So you mentioned cancer patients, why cancer patients? What was what was the draw there for you? Yeah. So thank you to Real Stories at Cell for being able to help me say this part of my story today. So thank you, Nick. You're Uh, welcome. (laughs) I am a cancer survivor. I had cancer when I was 21. As I've learned through my own healing, I actually signed up for this kind of a life in my soul contract so that I would be awakened to my power at a really young age. And so I didn't know it at the time, but after I got treated for the cancer, you know, all the numbers look fine on paper. The doctor's like, yeah, you're doing great. But as it turns out, going back to our conversation, I didn't feel so great. And I had to change several doctors before I found a doctor who really listened to me because at that time I was really young. And it turned, as it turns out, I feel like there's a weird spectrum, particularly in America. I don't find this in every culture, but it's like being on opposite ends of the spectrum in age. When you're really old or when you're really young, you just don't get listened to the way that you need it to. It could happen for other ages, but this has been my personal experience, not being taken seriously, probably as a woman too, right? Like a woman of color, but I had to change doctors. And I remember I was feeling mental fogginess and just not feeling like myself for months after, for actually years after. And a lot of my friends would be like, maybe this is just your thing now that whenever we go out to drink, even day drinking, that you just fall asleep everywhere you go. And I wasn't even drinking some of the times. I'm like, this is not normal, but it's become so habitual for me that people think it's normal, that this is my new normal. And I was almost about to make that my identity when something like, I felt like this intuitive nudge say to me, like, try something different. And from there on out, I was led to my first yoga class where I thought, oh yeah, I'm just going to move my body and see what happens. No, anyone who really knows the spiritual benefits of yoga, going into it for mental and emotional health, even you have no idea what it's going to do to you. Just my first class took me on a whole different journey. I felt so connected and aligned in who I was and my body. And I thought, who, who am I? And I walked off the mat. And I remember when I started doing more regularly, even my patients would be like, you are just so connected. Like I need this. I need to be around this because I feel empowered in who I am. So that's what led, led me to that journey. Like I felt that it was my own, my own journey with cancer that led me to feel more connected with cancer patients. And just also the gift of knowing that it wasn't just medicine that really helped me that made me want to connect to my patients even more and show them that actually there's medicine, but there's also complementary and alternative medicine. There's alternative healing modalities that you can use and implement because you're a whole individual and I see you holistically not just as a person with a physical diagnosis. Yeah, and part of that is the medical system, the way that it's set up, right? There's not a lot of time. There's not a lot of attention given. It's like a numbers game in many ways in terms of you get however many minutes with your general practitioner and they send you on your way, right? And they there's like a, oh, well, here, take this medication and go. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, that that's the only way that happens, but that's a big part of the system, unfortunately, where we're currently at. And this idea that you were talking about, about looking at people holistically, no wonder people were so drawn to you. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, yeah. somebody's, somebody's seeing me fully. I know. It's true. 
Somebody's looking at me as an individual, as a human walking this planet. So you were working in these top cancer institutions in New York City, and you were seeing this need for, you know, complementary medicine and alternative healing. At what point did you say, oh, this isn't where I'm best serving? That's a great question. That I have a whole story I could share about that. What I will say for today is that, because I, I feel like I could talk about this for hours, is something I feel very strongly about. The idea that so many people working in the healthcare field, first of all, are burnt out yeah. and don't even really know themselves, Nick. So if you don't really know yourself, how can you take care of others? And I just want to make it clear, I'm not hating on the people that I work with or the medical providers. I saw some outstanding physicians. Some of these people had their own stories with cancer. They had family members afflicted by cancer. So they really cared for the patients so much, yeah. but it comes from top down and there's a lot of administrative staff and just administration, a lot of these hospitals that just want the numbers, like you said. And so even doctors feel powerless in the decisions that they're able to make. It's unfortunate. Even insurance companies dictate a lot of what doctors can provide. And we can go to a whole other spiel with everything that's going on with abortion rights and everything else, right? But for me personally, it was just this idea of being around people and just realizing that everyone was on autopilot. And then we're talking about how there's so much more cancer and so many more disease in the world. Well, it's like, if you don't really know yourself and if you're living every day on autopilot and not really allowing yourself to feel emotions, be expressive and be a holistic individual, do the things that you love and really feel like you have a good work-life balance. Well, no wonder more people are getting diseases. They're yeah. doing it to themselves. And I felt like I was working in some of these toxic environments where just people just look miserable. I'm not even talking about my cancer patients. I'm talking about people I worked with. And I thought, if I stay here forever, I'm going to become like this because you're, you're some of the people that you spend the most time with. And I said, this can't, this can't happen for me. Like, I, I don't, I'm actually seeing this as a universal sign that I get to choose how I want my life to look. And I know this is not what I want it to be. Mm. And it was a matter of me reclaiming my health because I noticed I had spent one too many days at work actually crying based on seeing how other people were treating each other. And I thought this is the work or this, this is the byproduct of people not getting a chance to really learn more about themselves and kind of just working on autopilot and shutting themselves off from their own source energy. And I'm not available for that. I mean, talk about a toxic work environment. Like that's like the classic sort of definition. And where was your voice in that, in that institution? Do you know how many times I, I actually said something to a higher up or to some form of manager that I had, like, we need to change this. Maybe we need to incorporate more meditation. I had some fantastic bosses who did allow me to do that. I even worked with a chaplain in one of my um, institutions where we did like a whole clearing for the room to mm -hmm. make sure that everyone who was providing care was in that beautiful kind of like cleansed, breaky energy environment. However, some of the institutions I work with, there was always pushback, like, oh, we have to go through this whole committee, we have to go through this whole process. I get it. There's always this process, right, that you have to go through when you're working for another company. I get that part. But when nothing actually gets done, and it's not actually moving up, you can tell that your voice doesn't really matter to these people. And that was when I had to say, you know what, I know my voice does matter. And I'm willing to remove myself from an environment that doesn't want to hear it and go into an environment where I'm actually valued. That really was it. And ironically, that all, all that happened right before the pandemic, where everyone wanted meditation, especially in the hospitals. I, I just got like chills on that. Like, that's like, you know, divine timing, right? Like, boom, 
Mic drop. Beautiful. It just, it, it was a beautiful synchronistic moment knowing that you know, the divine was leading me. The divine was almost saying, you're being guided because more of the world needs it, especially in medicine and healthcare. But people who aren't willing to receive it can't receive it. And you know what? I think, I think the divine universe, whatever you want to call it, did me a favor because as healers, we know that we want to go where we're appreciated. And yeah. if people are not willing to receive it, you're just going to hit a closed door. We want to provide the medicine that people's soul needs, right? That's what healers do. We do provide medicine. It's the medicine that people need, but we cannot push it on anyone. It is up to them to be open and receptive and to receive whatever they want to receive. That's all. You know, that's funny that you know, you refer back to friends. I know that I had to learn that lesson many times over until I finally learned that lesson of me wanting somebody to heal, me wanting somebody to make choices in their life that would, and that's a little codependency, right? If you yeah. really look at it, but that was the, the, the empathic healer in me knew what needed to happen for them to heal, to shift, to grow, to ascend, but they weren't ready. So as healers, it's always this open the door and allow them to walk through don't slam the door. It's true. <laughs> Push it open so hard that it comes off the hinges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I agree. And and I also want to say, I think it's also partly as a healer, as a coach, we see the highest in yeah. people. We really see their potential. And I think sometimes it's easy to get angry because you see a former version of yourself and you're like, I don't want you making the wrong turn. This is the turn that's going to get you everything you want and more. But people have to go through their own journeys. Yeah. And that's the way of life. As a coach, you have to allow them to, because otherwise you're not really teaching them. Yeah. You hold the space for them to see the highest version of themselves. And yet in order to, for them to see it, they also have to go through these steps in order to get there. If you tell somebody something, it doesn't have the same impact as them having the experience themselves. Absolutely. I agree. So you left these amazing cancer institutions they're both flawed and phenomenal. They save lives. I, I don't want us to not say that, right? Like right. not that I have it or that you have, I, I shouldn't speak for you fully, but I, from what you're saying, it's not that you believe that Western medicine doesn't work or that it's wrong or bad. Right. Because I think we can find ourselves in these binary situations where we say, this is good. This is bad. When the reality is, is everything is both right. 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 But it was no longer serving you as a healer and you didn't feel like you were serving the patients and clients fully. So what happened next? Where did you go? What did you decide to do? Yeah. Can I, I want to share one more thing. Cause this actually relates to your story. I'm sure your audience knows it, but the story about you and the Tony award, believe it or not, when I got my dream job in New York city, which was the top cancer institution, yeah. that was what happened to me. Yeah. I remember just thinking, this is it. Yeah. This is what I prayed for. Yeah. And that was like a huge eye-opening moment for me. And that's when I realized I'm not completely on the right path right now. Even though this is part of my path, it's not my full path. And when I started looking for different jobs and different positions, because I thought that's the answer. Let's look for a different environment, a different job. I remember my manager at the time said, I'm willing to open up any position you want as long as you stay in this hospital. We're, we're willing to open up a position for you. And I thought, this is the perfect ideal situation. Like this is everything I could have asked for and more. Like I get to create my own position. And I walked out and I literally just said, thank you universe. Like that was such a good meeting. I walked into one of my favorite boutique stores on Upper East Side, literally a 10 minute walk, 
walk in there. I'm listening to my headphones, just my music and just decompressing. And the clerk kept trying to make conversation with me. Finally, I took off my headphones. We made conversation. We just got to talking about yoga and alternative healing. She stops me halfway and she goes, okay, you don't know it yet, but you're meant to be an entrepreneur. You're meant to open up your own business, but continue. My, my jaw dropped. How can you continue a conversation after that? I had no idea that's where the conversation was going to lead, but this is the thing. When you're open to receive, the divine will come to you because it's a path of least resistance. You're open and willing to receive it at that time. And so not even knowing what the next steps would be, I just started taking little micro steps every single day, opening up, uh, starting my LLC, uh, starting or creating my domain, buying a domain, getting on Bluehost, just little things every single day, not even knowing where the path was going to lead. But I realized, okay, I love alternative healing. I love science. I do love science. And I think if there's a way to empower people to use both, everyone will be living in a higher state. And what I mean by that is really empowering themselves to know their bodies, to know the wisdom that their own body offers and how they can heal in a way that serves them. And that's, that's how the yoga movement got started. Oh my gosh. (laughs) What, what an angel. You had an angel, right? Her name is Caroline. Yeah. Caroline, the angel was sent to you in that moment. And you know, it's interesting because I loved that the visual of you sitting there with the, with the ear, earbuds in and like not really paying attention and finally pulling them out. Right. How yeah. what a metaphor for not really paying attention to what's around you until you're almost forced to in a way. It's true. And then you did. And that's what I want to ask you. You said, how could I not? But for a lot of people, they're not going to listen. So what in you knew talking about intuition knew that you had to listen to that. I had been struggling with a push and pull around my purpose for so long. It wasn't my first time there. I had been feeling this for so long. And actually a couple of my patients, I always wore a mask even at that time because immunocompromised patients. So you have to wear a mask to not expose yourself any like respiratory droplets and such. And some of my patients, I had two patients tell me on separate occasions, they didn't know each other and they were in separate institutions. Oh my God, you're meant to do big things in the world. They can, I can feel spirit just entering the room. I'm just like, what are they talking about? Because this is before I did yoga teacher training. And one time I remember I listened to a patient's, patient's lungs and as I was listening, the patient looks at me and he's just like, yeah, you're on the plane to something higher. And I just thought there's something here. I'm aware, but I'm not completely touching upon what they're seeing, but there's something here. And I had been struggling at all of these jobs, just feeling like I'm not completely aligned with who I really am and the work that I'm meant to, to be doing here, even though I don't know what that is. And in that moment, when that woman was talking to me, I just felt like it was completely sent by the divine because I actually walked out of the meeting where like everything could have been laid out for me. But I think the divine was like, no, 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 no. You're about to just go back into a circle loop and do the same things you've been doing over again. Mm. And I think I could have had the option of going into that. Yeah. But what got me out of that was just realizing this doesn't happen to everyone. No one just stops you while you're listening to your music, decompressing, shopping in a boutique store to tell you something about your life. And it is worth listening to. But something in you knew because not everybody also gets the other option that you had. You had like the golden, right? Yeah. You got, you had two choices to make that were both like incredible. Yeah. You think about it. It's true. But you followed your heart. It excited me. It excited me like nothing excited me before, Nick. There that's you what it was. Go. That's, yeah. it. that's it. That's it. And that's a form of self-love. It is. 
doing what lights you up 100% is a form of self-love. I wish more people knew that, that it gets to be that simple. Yeah, it's that simple. Let go of the societal expectations and what everyone else says you should be doing. Follow your heart. Everything is already in there. But I think culturally, this is something that has been so romanticized in the world across every single culture, I would say. Heartbreak, grief, anger, to stay stuck in your shit. Excuse my French. We swear. And when you do the heart, <laughs> when you do the heart healing, you realize, okay, all that stuff is valid too. The anger, the grief, all that is serving you for a reason. But you get to clear it out. You get to transmute it into something greater than yourself. And you get to realize that the things that bring you the most joy are what's going to help you live your most best fulfilled life and also empower and inspire others to live their highest versions of themselves and their best lives as well. Yeah. And I love that you use the word transmute because it's not that we want to hide from, look away from, only go to love and light. Like it really is about transmutation. It's about taking that as fuel, ultimately using the trauma, the pain and processing and allowing it to lead you forward and for you to then use it, honestly, in, Absolutely. in spirit. Absolutely. Which really got me thinking about how, you know, when you were saying, talking about joy, you know, social media, this sounds, this sounds like funny, but the social media that I love to do is when I dance. I love that one too. <laughs> I love it when you dance. <laughs> and, well, and, and, and probably because I love it so much. Yeah. Right. Again, that's like, it lights me up. It sparks joy. It brings like that to me. And so when I connect back to that in my body, others like it. And I know you like to dance too. (laughs) (laughs) I do. And you know what? You're right. You're very much in your element. And I think that's what draws me to you when you're dancing. Dancing and humor. I think those are two of your biggest strengths. Yeah. Uh, But you like to dance, right? Like, I do. I do love to dance. And I, I have a funny story behind that in that for years, I thought I wasn't a dancer. I just thought, you know what? Dancing was something I might've liked to do back in the day, but I'm not really a dancer. And as it turns out, I went into the path of a yogi and yoga technically is a form of dance. And even going past that, um, I was working with a coach and the coach was like, you know, one of the best ways to tap into the things that bring you joy is by asking your parents, what are the things you love to do as a kid? And when I asked my mom, she said, literally, wherever I would find you, I would leave you for hours and I would come back and you would just be dancing. You would wrap a scarf around your head and you just would be dancing like a little ninja everywhere you went. And no one could stop you. You were like in your own world, just doing your own thing. And I started getting back into that. I worked with my own mentors who taught me a lot about, you know, pleasure, seeking pleasure in the body, learning to allow yourself to move sensually just in the way that it wants to. And that's when I realized dance is so empowering. Not only does it help release energy from the body or move around energy that's stuck or stagnant, it actually makes so many people feel amazing in their body. You're literally raising your own vibration by doing it. And it doesn't matter what you look like. It does not matter. There's no need to judge. You just just allow your body to move. And doesn't that then, going back to sort of medicine, release disease, disease in the body because of that energy shift? Absolutely. So let me tell you, just to go back to this and just to drive this point home, one of my good friends had H. pylori, which is a stomach infection. 
it's, I don't, I don't exactly know how rare or how common it is. I've heard of multiple people who've had it and like sensations you can get are things like bloating, um, you know, just bowel movements are different, things like that. Not to bring this stuff up on your podcast, but while we're on the topic <laughs> and she, yeah. And she told me that she had gone through one round of her treatment and she still had it afterwards. And it was kind of upsetting her. And now this is one of my closest friends who loves to dance. She actually inspired me so much to learn how to dance because when she does it, it's just like, she gets taken over by the music. You just can't stop her. She's just in her element, just like you. And so I had asked her, when's the last time you danced? And she goes, not in a while, because I don't really feel comfortable in my body right now. She had gone through some changes and she was just like not feeling completely happy in her body. And I was like, you know, just in the morning, two, three minutes, put on song. No one has to watch you. Like, you know, do it in your own time. Just dance, let yourself loose. She ended up doing it for a week. She messaged me. She goes, Bina, this is exactly what I needed. I had been resisting the one thing I needed because I thought my body needed to be perfect for me to do it. And the second I started doing it, she's like, I felt so alive in my body. Like, I feel like my entire day feels different. Like I could do anything and just conquer the world. And then obviously the infection cleared. I don't think it was just the treatment because if it was a treatment, it would have worked the first time around. Ah, oh, love this story. Love it. You know, it, it, that's, it's interesting to me because you know, yoga is one of the, the great arts, a great healing art, right? And I was a professional dancer in my youth. As you know, and many of the audience listeners know, but I stopped dancing for many, many years because of the sort of discipline of it. It moved from something of pure joy to something I really didn't like anymore professionally. And so I stopped dancing professionally and I took a big time off where I didn't do any movement whatsoever in that, in that sense. And I found yoga. And yoga reconnected me to dance, to my body. And then through that, I began dancing again. But as you said, it wasn't about what it looked like because I had spent so much of my life worried about it being perfect, about the, the turnout, the point, the et cetera, et cetera, that when I actually began dancing freely again, it was through Sahaja movement. It was through the movement of yoga and I'm forever grateful for that. Another reason to connect to yoga if you haven't in your life. Beautifully said. And I couldn't agree more. I think there's so many different types of yoga also. Yeah. I don't think people realize that. Like if you don't really want to do a flow practice or vinyasa, you can do yin yoga. You can do restorative, which a lot of those are still very rejuvenating for the body and just requires a little bit of stillness. Yeah. So I agree. Yeah. And it removes blocks. That's also true. Yeah. These energetic blocks within the body is one of the ways, there are so many ways, there's so many tools really to clearing these blocks. When we are clearing these blocks, we're clearing them from not only us, but our lineage, Mm -hmm. our history, our ancestors, our culture, ultimately. I know that you've you've done some ancestral healing yeah. And I would love to hear your take on what is the sort of power of it? Like what, what does it do? Yeah. Thank you for asking. And I also want to share that yoga helps remove energetic blockages. And I think what's fascinating about it is that you don't even know, need to know where the blocks are. No, you don't only need to know where they are. You no. just allow yourself to be immersed in the movement. And it's like, you become a different person after the practice or through the practice, I should say. 
So for me, ancestral healing is not something I woke up and said, oh yeah, I need this. I actually went to a healer for womb healing. And this was around the time of everything going on with abortion rights. And to go a little bit more personally to my story, I actually had a dream about my future daughter in 2020, like amidst lockdown, everything that was happening. And since then, I went deeper into inner child healing, just understanding the different dynamics of the way I was raised. And also, I guess as a woman in early 30s, thinking about how do I want to parent my future children? So that's where the whole journey began. And I remember when I told my healer that I'm ready to do womb healing, I'm really feeling called to this. I even feel my future daughter guiding me, leading me through this. She said, yeah, let's do it. And the first thing that happened as she started to do the clearing was that over hundreds of my ancestors popped up. Literally, they showed up. I got so hot in my head, honestly, Nick, like it just felt like a visor on my head and so did the healer. And that's how we knew we were clearing energy. Like so much had come up. So I know this sounds rule, but if anyone out there is like looking to pursue this, I just want you to know, it's like going into a meditation, but just feeling more of your body. You're feeling your body get lighter as you're releasing so much stuff that not only you were carrying, but stuff your lineage was carrying. And to describe it in a more scientific way, this is how for anyone who still feels like on the edge, like how could this be? Think of it this way. You are not just a sum of your mother and father. In your DNA is actually ancestral DNA that got passed on from years and generations. And a lot of our parents, just look at the different patterns they've had. Like if you come from a family where your mother has been sacrificing her needs for other people, is this something that you're now doing in your business where you're just totally tending to clients' needs and filling up your schedule without giving any time for spaciousness and freedom in your life? And maybe those happen to be your values, but you're not actually abiding by them. Things like that. So in my own life, I recognize that there was a pattern in my I would say mostly women, because usually I relate more to the women, but I would say there was a constant pattern where women were sacrificing their needs and they didn't feel seen and heard and valued for who they are. And as it turns out in the clearing, a lot of women were showing up and saying that they had these gifts and talents that they want to show and display to the world, but that they felt that they had to go on this traditional path in their lives and they didn't feel completely fulfilled. Now imagine why they led me to this healing. I, I truly feel my ancestors led me to that healing. Why? Well, I'm a female, a woman of color, a business owner who is trying to be seen, heard, and valued in what she has to share, her impact in the world. But if I'm carrying that ancestral wound, that ancestral wound and pain, how can I be seen? And what's interesting is that I had manifested cancer at 21 in the area of the throat, which wow. you and I both know that's the area of creativity and self-expression. Hmm which is something I love to do, but how could I show up in my full power if I was carrying all these burdens? Mm. The second we released, I had like a few days, I would say almost like a week of just kind of being in my space, allowing myself to integrate and embody. I was so resisting getting on TikTok. And after that healing, I just whipped it up and I was like, yeah, I'm putting this video, I'm putting this. It was like nothing. It, It was like, I never carried a burden to begin with. Love it. That's how powerful it was. And because it's in the quantum plane, if we can even bring physics into this, that you were not only healing your voice and your your self-love, ultimately, but the love larger, those that you're soon to be, I'm not saying pregnant, but soon to be child and your ancestors at the same time. Mic drop, my dad's mother had throat cancer. Wow. Never put two and two together. And I actually had a beautiful conversation with my dad about it recently. Chills again. Seriously. I had a nice conversation with my dad about it. I said, dad, 
I know you're not really familiar with the world of healing, but I want you to know this is something I've done. He's more religious. So he was still kind of open to it and just like, you know, curious as to what I was going to say. And when I shared with him about how so many women, especially in his side of the family, didn't feel like they could be seen and heard for who they really were. And just even with his mom and how she had throat cancer, he goes, it's true. When she went to her in-law's place, she had to dress a certain way and she didn't really feel like she could speak up. Her voice was not really allowed to come through because that's how strict people were during those times. So it's not to shame anyone. That's just the way it was back in the day. But I'm like, it all, it's all coming together. And of course I had to heal that for myself. If I didn't heal that, I couldn't show up fully in who I am. Yeah. And they couldn't either. I, I actually have been calling my ancestors into a lot of my meditations recently. They look a lot happier and they, they look at me like, I want to guide you, like continue on your path. We're going to guide you too. They want to guide us. They want us to live in our fullest self-expression because they're able to do it too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm really digging, as you know, I'm really digging into this. So yeah. this is um, a big part of my, my big, partly because of my mediumship, mm. partly because of working through my own first and foremost before holding space for others working through my own ancestral trauma and drama (laughs) imagine (laughs) (laughs) but then to be able to uh, help clients with it as well and that's a it's a passion it's a a gift it's an honor it's a privilege yeah and one that I'm certainly allowing surrendering to more than anything else it's a it's an active surrender in that sense it's profound it's a profound profound experience and gift so all of this has led you to where you are today now that you feel the power that I always saw in you thank you all those years now that you feel that you can be seen heard what's next for you I feel that the big thing that comes through me every single morning when I'm praying to the divine and doing my practice is I'm meant to initiate and activate so many women in the world. I know that. I know that other people, like when I do retreats, it's not just women. I've had men come to some of the chakra healing sessions and spiritual guidance sessions. So many people are open to it. But personally, the queen in me, the goddess in me wants to initiate and activate so many women because I think that you know, some of it also has been societally and, you know, passed on from generations just amongst our different families and cultures. But I think so many women are living way under the bar of their potential. Mm. I can see it. I've seen it in myself. This is how I can call other people. I've seen it in myself. And I think that our human brain, while we need it to survive, I'm not someone who's like, oh, screw the ego. Let's be real. The ego keeps us safe. It's doing its job. So I, I honor that. Okay. Yeah. But There's like this finite space and finite amount of different possibilities that can happen for us when we think in the mind. And when we drop into our heart and actually take all the healing and everything that we're learning from the self-awareness piece and actually dropping it into our body and embodying it, that's when so many powerful shifts happen. That's when you transform because you're shifting identity, actually being the woman that you want to be, the queen that you want to be. And in my personal transformation, what I've seen with clients is that when they embody the queen energy, it's not so much a push and pull like, oh, like I need to figure this out. I need to heal this. You're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. You're enough exactly as you are. We're just taking the the steps that you want to take to get from here to there, closing the gap and realizing you're already there on another quantum plane or another yeah. you know, parallel universe, if you want to say. 
And so that's what I want women to do because when I'm helping women to really embody their self-love, their radiance and authenticity, the parts of them that's actually the easiest to be, the part that reveals itself once they take away the conditioning, that's when they get to magnetize everything they desire, the life of abundance, fulfillment. It's not this thing where you feel like you have to type an application or fill out all the applications on LinkedIn and do all the things. No, it's about taking aligned action steps and the aligned action steps actually feel easy. Let me repeat that for any woman who's undergone trauma and needs to hear it. Aligned action steps actually feel easy. The universe comes to you and brings you the opportunity, but it is your job to step up and grab the opportunity. And I want to reiterate that for all of my students who are listening, that anything in your business that feels easy, lean in. Yes. (laughs) Lean in. Well, my queen energy, which is a different type of queen energy, but my queen (laughs) energy. (laughs) Love it. Loves your queen energy. And uh, I appreciate you. I adore you. Thank you you. for coming on today and sharing your wisdom and your story. And where can everyone find you? And also, I just want to add, I love you. And you're one of my favorite mentors. So for anyone who hasn't joined Real Stories at Sol, it is a life-changing course. I just want to put that out there. It changed my life. Um, So if anyone wants to reach out to me or find me, my website is theyogamovementnyc.com because I started my business in New York City. So that's why that's the domain. And then um, Instagram, my handle is theyogamovement. And we'll make sure to put that in the show notes. And whatever your takeaway is from this episode, be sure to DM both Bina and myself, and let us know. We love conversation. Clearly. Thank you so much again. And thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Have a great day.